Hey, and welcome to the Scientific Imagination podcast series. My name is Sabina Winters, and I'm the host of this series that focuses on the role and function of imagination in science. I go into conversation with artists, designers, and scientists themselves to talk about the role and function of imagination in their profession. For more information, visit scientificimagination.org. Furkan Jezaja is currently doing a PhD at the Department of Philosophy at the University of Waikato, New Zealand. In his PhD research, Furkan tries to come up with a new notion of critical thinking through aesthetics. According to Furkan, critical thinking has an unelaborated discussion of imagination and creativity and holds a one-sided discussion of emotions as barriers to thinking. So my PhD topic is try to come up with a new notion of critical thinking that that is including all different aspects of thinking, not only reason and logic or rationality, but also imagination, emotions and affections like any other stuff that you can think of. It's not only about emotion or imagination, it's also about our sensualities, our sensibilities, our perception, what we see, what we touch. So I will try to combine all of the ignored aspects in the literature in the notion of critical thinking. Through aesthetics, he argues, that these ignored aspects of thinking can enhance our critical and creative thinking capacities. Critical thinking has been largely understood from a positivist perspective in which rational thinking is reduced to inferences that derive conclusions from empirical observations or from analytically true premises. This understanding of critical thinking omits important parts of thinking such as emotions, feelings, senses and imagination. These, Vaughan argues, should be considered as an important part to critical thinking. My name is Furkan. I'm from Turkey. I'm right now doing a PhD in philosophy in the University of Waikato, which is based on New Zealand Hamilton. I did my master's and bachelor's degree back in Turkey at Istanbul Big University. And my bachelor's was on both sociology and tourism. And then in my master's degree, I went on a master's program called Philosophy and Social Thought, which changed my mind completely. And then I went on a PhD in New Zealand, which is very far away from Turkey. You moved to New Zealand like a month ago, right? Or two months ago already? Two months ago, yeah. Two months. And you are doing like a PhD in philosophy right now. Yeah. Could you elaborate on your research topic and... Of course, of course. So my PhD topic is try to come up with a new notion of critical thinking that that is including all different aspects of thinking, not only reason and logic or rationality, but also imagination, emotions and affections, like any other stuff that you can think of. It's not only about emo- emotion or imagination, it's also about our sensualities, our sensibilities, our perception, what we see, what we touch. So I will try to combine all of the ignored aspects in the literature in the notion of critical thinking. Yes. And you you have the opinion that the critical thinking, the rational way of critical thinking lacks, for example, imagination, right? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
what why is it important to include imagination for example in critical thinking so i've been reading a lot of critical thinking books for mm -hmm. like one month as a part of my phd research mm -hmm. and i made a list of 20 books that that mentions specific keywords like imagination emotions and creativity mm -hmm. so i was thinking that no critical thinking book are going to mention about these keywords, but apparently they mention these, but they either mention it in a one paragraph yeah. or they mention emotional emotions as a barrier to thinking, as an obstacle yeah. to critical thinking. So what I think is that those aspects have an empowering advantage to our thinking if we could find a way to harness them mm -hmm. in a better way. Mm -hmm. rather than just trying to repress or be cautious about them. And what I say is that they're not totally good. They're not totally bad, you know? So, so there, if, if we accept that these are the aspects of our mind, mm -hmm. and if we consider the fact that these are all studied as obstacles to our thinking, now I say that let's look at the other side and and, and discover the other side, how we can use this for the better. Let's take maybe a step back. How would you describe the role of imagination in your everyday life? Can you use examples of how you use imagination? So there are two, I think there are two layers of this usage of imagination in our daily lives. The first one is our continuous and unresting perception. So if you think about it, we are continuously perceiving something and we are continuously constructing new perception as we go through our everyday life, as we change our perception, as our eyeballs are moving to different places. So we continuously have new perception. In order to conceive that perception, we need imagination because we know that we are not just seeing the reality as itself, but we are constructing a perception in our mind. So imagination is used in that layer. So that says the first layer and the is second a, layer. Would you say that is that a non-conscious way of using imagination? That, that, that yeah, that's well put actually, because we are not conscious of our constant creation actually, because brain does this unconsciously. Because if we like become conscious in every part of our perception, that would make us mad probably. But for example, like a causality, would you say that's also imagination? That's well, you can say that. Like I, I immediately, when you say causality, I immediately remember the causality problem of Hume. Of course, so, yes. Yeah. So he says that we cannot see the causality itself. We can only imagine it. Let's say mm -hmm. because we see two objects are moving, and we assume that there is a causality there. So in order to assume that, in order to make that connection between the two objects moving and in order to say that, okay, there is a causality in here. Mm -hmm. So you need an imagination to create the concept of causality so that you can apply that concept into the experience. Okay. Okay. So let's just leave this. This is the the, the one way in we use imagination in a, maybe a non-conscious way to make sense yeah. of the world around us through our senses. The second layer. Yes. And then the second yeah. layer. 
So the second layer is the, is the more mic macro way to use it. So one was the micro one. This is the macro one. So this is the bigger scale. So this one we are conscious of. So we so we are constantly. I am now establishing new sentences. So in order to do that, I need my imagination. Without it, I cannot put sentences together in a in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. Or let's say I'm trying to find a way through the Google Maps to, to go somewhere, you know? And in order to do that, I need to like search for it from the from my phone and you know look at the things and where, where should I go, which which bus I take. So in this even daily decisions, we connect things to together in order to find a solution. So this connection between different dots, I think, requires imagination because without imagine this, the, those connections, we cannot come up with a whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say then that thinking about how to form sentences, it almost seems like a different form of imagination than thinking, for example, what bus to take or what to have for dinner or where my keys are. It's, would you so agree? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Problem solving and the taking the bus. And in those examples, we can also add those examples to the, the process of understanding something. Yes. When we try to understand something, we again have to uh, make connections between the different knowledge and information we have. So in yes. order to do that, we need, again, imagination to establish th those relations and like you know connect the different objects, different concepts to each other, so make yes. them whole. Without making them whole, that would not mean anything. That's yeah. why in the yeah. process of creation of new meanings, imagination has a key role. Okay, so now we have the two layers of imagination, and then we have also the critical reflectional imagination in critical thinking that you are researching. Would you say there's a difference in the forms of imagination in critical thinking and in the two layers that you mentioned? So in the case of critical thinking, we are actually trying to analyze a very way of thinking so we are encountered with an argument or with a case and we try to reflect on that case right mm -hmm. so in that sense in that in that sense i would say that we are more using the second layer of imagination in order to understand the case first yeah. and then come up with a new idea or new criticism but in that sense now what what i found in my research at the moment is that Critical and creative thinking are codependent because without creative thinking, you cannot even understand the case. And without critical thinking, you cannot find the empty space in order to create. So let me put this way. So we are encountered with an argument or with an idea, right? So we yeah. try to understand that. As I explained before, we are using the layer two of imagination in order to understand the case. And now we understood the case. And then we start to criticize it. That is where actually the critical part of critical thinking comes into the scene. And when we criticize it, actually we negate or we destroy the idea and we are we are left with an empty space, right? Because we mm -hmm. criticize it. Now we need something new. And then 
creative thinking comes into play and say, okay, we have this space. Now we have to create something new. Even, even when you try to criticize something, when you in the process of negation, yeah, you generate a new idea, right? Yeah. It's not only mean that you're come up, coming up with a new idea, even even in the process of thinking, criticizing, you need to generate a new idea to destroy it, let's say. Yeah. And now, after then, the creation comes because creation comes upon what is negated. It's not coming out, out of nowhere. It's not next exit. So yeah. that's why the creative and critical thinking are working together. I yeah, think, yeah. Your thesis closely follows Nelson Goodman and his aesthetic account of languages, right? Yeah, that's right. Yes. So could you maybe first explain a little bit more about Nelson's Goodman theory on the aesthetic account of languages and then mm -hmm. in what way it plays a role in, in critical thinking? Yeah. So the Nelson Goodman's aesthetics is like he follows the neo-Kantian tradition which, yeah. which they worked on symbolism and signs and mm -hmm. language so from that perspective Nassim Goodmans gets interested on aesthetics and writes a remarkable book called languages of art and in that book he explains how different arts uses their own different languages i.e their frameworks in order to create and understand what they create. So he basically argues that we have some tools which we call language, and through those tools, we create the arts. Like music has different language, art has painting has different language, you know, dance has different language, a bodily language, mm -hmm. philosophy has a different language, poetry has a different language. So all of these languages are specific to what, what we are creating. Okay. It's like the natural languages. Then Goodman argues that, yeah, it's like the natural languages, you know, what we are using. It always develops. It's a very dynamic thing. And Goodman argues like three main components of this, all different languages of art. One is the metaphors. Mm -hmm. The others are symbols. Mm -hmm. And the others are grammar. Okay. These three, so this three component of the like, general component of every language of art and in my research i will go on the metaphors and see how understanding and creative metaphor is related to imagination so you yeah. have three general language tools you will yeah. focus on the metaphors in your research could you elaborate that Not only on... metaphors but yeah metaphor will will be a yeah, part of the research okay but it's it's not the only component that I will be focusing on. Okay. So you will focus on, on the three of them or, or. Well, that is not decided yet, but. Oh, that's not decided yet. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. I'm in the like first chapter of my thesis, which I like focus on the literature of critical thinking and trying to find the gaps. Ah, but in, okay. in, yeah. Okay. In later on, in later on, my plan is to focus on metaphors and symbol theory because mm -hmm. I, I, there is obviously a relation between metaphors and symbol theory and like without metaphorical understanding this is what I, I understood from Goodman's aesthetics we cannot understand any piece of art okay yeah. I wanted so, to like 
circle back a little bit to, to the metaphorical understanding. So what I found really interesting is that this metaphorical understanding is key to understand the arts, but also the sciences. Yeah. In what way, and it's very early in your, in your research process, yeah, yeah. but what is your intuition about how this metaphorical understanding is assisting us in critical thinking? So, if you, if you can say anything about it, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I, I'll have to give a little bit background explanation on this because, Please. yeah. So the thing is, I conceive any creative endeavor of human beings as a as a creative activity. Mm. So I don't, I don't. In that sense, in that umbrella term, I don't differentiate between science, art, philosophy, poetry, anything. So in all of these, what we do is we create, mm -hmm. right? We create mm -hmm. new meaning. So in order to create this meaning, we have languages of these different activities, right? Yes. We have a different language of science. We have a different language of art. We have a different language of poetry. Anyways. And... While we are creating this language and making new creations within these activities, we associate these languages with the objects of the real world, as in the natural languages. And while we are trying to establish a relation between our symbolic signals or just our symbols with the objects, like in the language, we, we need metaphor in order to connect these two, like the real life objects and the symbol itself. And that is why we have mathematics in science, because they correspond to the real life physical laws, right? In order to understand that a mathematical equation, and in order to, when a, when a scientist see a mathematical equation, he or she can understand that this means a physical law. So how he or she does that shift from a mathematical equation to a re real life event. There we need metaphor because it is itself a metaphor. Mathematical equation is itself a metaphor to the real life case, real life yes. event. So it creates another layer of language, right? So yeah, uh, yeah. definitely. It, okay. In an arts, it's obvious, right? We see a a different drawing and we say this represents war we say this represents anger you know mm -hmm. it's, it's it's so obvious in arts but in science or in in our daily life it is so hidden and embedded and when i realized this i said metaphor probably is a key for my research because in order to be a good critical thinker we need to develop our metaphorical understanding and in order to do that we need emotions and imagination mm -hmm. and if i can analyze that so that i can say okay this aspects this different aspects like imagination and emotion works in those specific ways mm -hmm. so that i can use this also in the critical thinking i can you know, imply those multi-sensual way of thinking into critical thinking too okay so in your 
opinion or your research you're going to research in whether aesthetic experience brings in a multi-sensory way of critical thinking yeah can can aesthetic investigation of an aesthetic experience will able to do that okay let's, let's see yeah and your can ideas your thoughts are yeah obviously i'm hopeful but that that could be a wishful thinking too i mean we'll see okay okay and how are you going to like where are you starting with this research right now you have read nelson goodman and he says also a lot of on the aesthetic experience right yes yes because according to him in order to understand a piece of art in order to fully experience it because there is a like active experience and passive experience too so in the passive experience imagine that you're watching a netflix series so it's your passive completely there mm -hmm. but in an active experience the other day i went on an orchestra concert from air force new zealand mm -hmm. it was absolutely stunning because i was just like planning to watch a classical music performance but they performed jazz they performed rock they like and it's all the same orchestra anyways and like during the performance i was just trying to think what this piece of music tried to express or try to tell mm -hmm. but it's a completely different thing from a reading and description you know and in order to like understand the sadness that is coming from the music mm -hmm. you definitely use your imagination and emotions you know you have to use them because otherwise you cannot just transform that rhythm into sadness could you maybe give an example in how an aesthetic experience mm -hmm. assists in critical thinking is yeah. there like a very practical example maybe yeah, yeah, there are, there are. Okay. So, yeah, like we see, we watch a lot of movies. And in those movies, we encounter different scenes. So maybe you will remember, I don't know if you can. In the first movie of Harry Potter, mm -hmm. you watched it, right? I watched it like a hundred th times with my yeah. daughter as well. Yeah. <laughs> so in the first movie of Harry Potter, you know, he was staying on the a different very little room, let's say. Mm -hmm. And there, there was this character, the little monsterish character. Do you mean Dobby? Yeah, Dobby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Dobby wants to convince Harry Potter about like doing something. And Harry Potter doesn't want to do that. And then Dobby magically flies the cake onto the top of his guests. There are guests in the living room of aunts. And Dobby just flies the cakes over the guests. And then Harry Potter was just trying to stop the cake mm -hmm. by like using his magic and just opens his hands like this. But Dobby is obviously hiding in the back. So as Harry Potter opens his arms and hands, hands Dobby lets the cake down onto the guest's you know, head and face. And then uncle and the aunt just sees the Harry Potter and like he's staying like this. So they infer that Harry Potter did this, mm -hmm. you know, they didn't know. So there is a misunderstanding 
through the, the whole scene is built on the misunderstanding of the aunt and the uncle. That is Harry Potter purposely flying a cake and letting letting it fall to the guests. Yeah. So this is a mis example of misinterpretation mm -hmm. that we see in critical thinking. By letting this scene, you know, watching the students, let's say, instead of trying to explain this fallacy, if we, if we show this scene and upon this scene, if we tell them this fallacy, then probably they're gonna understand it by using their imaginations because they visually solve the misinterpretation how it happens in real yeah. life and they understood it and they they can reflect on their own real lives by understanding it fully because they already use their reflection and emotions and imagination while going through this scene okay so let's it's a bit try to yeah. summarize it so uh, you would say that the aesthetic experience is done seeing the movie, is that right? Yeah, the aesthetic experience is seeing the movie and seeing policy of thinking through a movie is okay. definitely a different thing from reading it. Yeah. And what happens when you see a critical thinking policy through a movie scene is that your imagination and, emotion and emotions are engaged when you watch the movie, but when you only read the policy description, you only get the information. Is that but so? When you... Is that I would I, I would argue that by reading, you really use your imagination as well. And wouldn't you say that reading is an aesthetic experience? It is also an aesthetic experience, but watching the movie is a more rich one more replete one more multi-sensual one let's say because of course reading you see it there is an aesthetics in that too you're yeah. right well that's the you know that's the main, i think a um, lot of people will argue against or, or with you about the difference between reading and, and movies i get what, what you mean yeah the main opposition i get even in my presentation is that when i tell about this diff, uh, difference between reading and watching a movie, let's say. Everyone thinks that I am like reducing reading. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the case. I'm just trying to show another possibility by, by a different aesthetic experience. Why would I reduce the reading? It's already there. This is what I try to achieve, you know? Yeah, I yeah, try yeah. to just open different, try to show different possibilities of thinking rather than just sticking on one. But... I'm not reducing that one. What are, that is what I'm doing. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, yeah. uh, definitely a film is, is in a way very much different than reading. And you could argue, I think it's in the, in the word, word less rich because you mentioned that reading is less rich. And in mm -hmm. some way I get it because film can bring to you a lot of more details of, of the room, for example, or how people are dressed than a book. Yeah. But having said that, it feels that um, reading appeals in a very more rich way to your imagination than film does, because film just gives the scenery to you. And when reading, mm. it feels way more lively in your head. So I think that that's where people feel maybe attacked, right? So that's my hunch. Mm -hmm. So. So in the aesthetic experience, actually, what I'm like trying to investigate is the 
artwork itself but the, but in the in the reading case mm-hmm. you are commenting about the thing of the human mind because the reading itself does not do that imagination you yeah. reflect on what you read and create that imagination you yeah. know so but would you say if, that it's an art form and an aesthetic experience as well reading? the reading mm-hmm. that could be also count as an aesthetic i mean everything like when i say this people misunderstand me probably but everything is aesthetic experience because we we create a a thought mm-hmm. through reflecting our on our senses mm-hmm. yeah it's the baseline yeah. What I'm trying to do is to show different sensual possibilities of thinking. Yes. You see? So reading, on the reading part, you have the page and the words, right? In the mm-hmm. object side, you only have the page and the words. The other creations are happening in our mind. But in the movie case, you have more rich object, right? It is moving. It has colors. It has people it has different things in it mm-hmm. so my question is when we are encountered with that kind of an object that which we call artwork what what changes and how our faculties are functioning in a different way yeah that's so an interesting course, question yeah of course a very imaginative person can imagine a lot of different things by only reading it's it's not that you cannot do it. Yeah. It is just I wanna just discover the other possibilities too. Yeah. So super interesting and curious what you are going to find out about the different faculties of thinking and aesthetic experience. Me too, yeah. Yeah. Too. So but let's go back to the very beginning of your research because why should philosophy reconsider the outline of critical thinking in the first place yeah so there are two reasons for it the -hmm. first reason is the literature of critical thinking so we have a lot a lot of textbooks a lot of different books of critical thinking and i'm right now reading a lot of it and they all give different con- contributions to critical thinking. They have like different practical usages of critical thinking. In some book, it it gives examples on from law. Some some it gives exa- examples from business. It gives examples from philosophy and that kind of stuff. But what they do in their like first two hundred pages are similar. They give what critical thinking is. They tell what, why it is important and they give fallacies, they give logical rules, and then they imply those to different cases. So in that description of critical thinking in different books, we see that, as I said in the beginning, emo- emotions are only talked about under titles of fallacies or mm-hmm. obstacles mm-hmm. and imagination is only mentioned in one paragraph by saying that it is important for critical thinking, but that's all. So there's this gap, there's this undiscovered aspects of thinking, which should be, I think, included. And if included, will empower critical thinking. This is the first reason. Yes. And second reason is is more about me and my relation with my research. The second reason is is our humans' capacities of 
humans creative potentialities so i i asked myself i mean why we are trying to think always with the same concepts and with the same methods while there are these different possibilities lying around there mm -hmm. so if we see their potential and that is the like main mission of my research just showing this potential of human creative capacities and in order to show them i need to show these different aspects and how they can empower our thinking how they have this potential to empower our creative and critical capacities yeah that's the second yeah so the aim of your phd would it then be to write a guideline or maybe a way or maybe a method of of new ways of critical thinking including aesthetic experiences imagination mm -hmm. and emotion is that your ultimate goal yes yes that would be like we were discussing about this with my supervisors and at the end of our meeting my supervisor told me that maybe after your research you can add a new chapter to all critical thinking books that would be, that would be counted as fundamental yeah a chapter on emo emotions and imagination yeah that will be awesome yeah yeah that is <laughs> like yeah we will see yeah, yeah indeed yeah because you are at the very beginning of your research yeah it's only been six months six months into my phd research yeah yeah wow if people want to reach out to you where can they find you online they can find me on twitter they can find me on academia okay I will make sure yeah. to post the links so that if people want to discuss mm -hmm. things with you or are interested yeah, in your welcome. research, they can reach out. They're um, more, more than welcome. Okay. Uh, they, they can also email to me. Okay, okay. awesome. I will share your email and everything in, in the podcast. Yeah. Furkan, thank you so much for, for this wonderful conversation and all the best with your research. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me and giving me this opportunity to discuss about my research. And because in every discussion, I discover something new about my research. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs>